He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Because this has not been tried in any human before, you have to be a particular sort of person to try it. And so that does take bravery. But patients with these diseases show a lot of bravery in their everyday life anyway. Kia ora, nau mai haramai ki te au hurehanga. Hello and welcome to Our Changing World. Ko Clark and Kevin Thane. Richard Roxburgh is an associate professor at Waipapa Taumatarau, the University of Auckland, and a practicing neurologist at Auckland City Hospital. The patients Richard is talking about are those that suffer from neurogenetic conditions. A word with two parts, genetic. An abnormality in just one gene can cause a disease. And neuro. Is talking about things which affect the neurological system, by which I mean the brain, the spinal cord, the nerves, or indeed the muscles. So it's an umbrella term that encompasses a whole number of different, relatively rare conditions. Probably one of the best known uh, conditions is Huntington's disease. I've seen around about 200 people with Huntington's disease here in Auckland. Other diseases that perhaps are more well-known may be things like uh, muscular dystrophy. Within that, there are different forms of muscular dystrophy, but uh, people may have heard of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. That's probably one of the better-known conditions. Myotonic dystrophy is probably the commonest of the muscular dystrophies. Today we'll be focusing on one neurogenetic condition and that bravery that Richard spoke about at the start. Those patients taking part in a phase one brand new therapy trial for myotonic dystrophy. So myotonic dystrophy, it's called a muscular dystrophy, but it really is a multi-system disease. It can affect the brain, often with learning disability in children. It can affect the muscles, obviously, but it also can affect the heart and it can cause diabetes and have a small predisposition to cancer as well. People with myotonic dystrophy have progressive muscle wasting and weakness, particularly in their faces and their arms. And there's another characteristic symptom. It gets its name from this thing called myotonia, and that's where muscles, when they contract, they, they go into a kind of a spasm and, and patients find it very difficult to release their muscles. So myotonic dystrophy is, as I said before, the commonest uh, muscular dystrophy in New Zealand with about three to 400 people uh, having myotonic dystrophy. It's rare, can be debilitating, and there's no cure. So people are trying to work on that. We are working with a research company called Dyne in the United States, and they've, they've approached us to help run a clinical trial here. We've started that trial now, and we've, we have... Um, five people in New Zealand enrolled in that trial. We, these people in New Zealand were the first people in the world to take this, uh, this drug ever. I mean, it hasn't even been tried in normal volunteers because they don't have the abnormal RNA, so it's, it wasn't thought to be appropriate to try it in healthy volunteers. So the trial has been underway since last September. Because it's a phase one clinical trial, it's all about safety and taking things slowly and in stages. You can imagine that we've all been on the edge of our seats. Um, We gave the first um, uh, dose of the drug. We always start with a very low dose and we try try that low dose first. We watch the first two patients 
because we know one of them is going to get it and we see that it's safe in those two before we um, uh, go and we have it to a cohort of, uh, I think it was 16 patients. And then after that, we watch those patients and then if they're all healthy, then we can increase the dose and try a slightly higher dose. And so we have f- finished the first cohort. We've recruited for the first cohort of patients. So we're now looking to see whether there's any, uh, any safety signal uh, so that before we can go up to the next level. This is very much a collective, collaborative we that Richard is using. This cohort of 16 he mentions is spread across several countries. New Zealand was the first place where the trial began, but the full trial plans to involve an estimated 72 patients in institutes in the UK, France, Germany, Italy and the Netherlands. But they need to go step by step. Give a small dose of treatment to some, and placebo control for others, and then check for any adverse reactions. So far, we've been chatting in Richard's university office on the Grafton campus opposite the hospital. But the trial itself is taking place in a building just off Grafton Road, a quick walk away. This is the home of New Zealand Clinical Research, or NZCR. There we catch up with study coordinator Shruti Balachandaran, who takes us up to the seventh floor to show us the ward that study participants come to. This is the ward. Um, So we've got 35 beds in total. We run exactly like a hospital. We're 24-7. And this is the overnight stay, so this is where the patients and the healthy volunteers get dosed and where they stay during their inpatient or their their monitoring period. And for NZCR, how many clinical trials are you guys involved in at one time? Um, So we probably have anywhere between 80 and 100, all in different stages though, some starting up, some in the middle of recruitment, some that are finishing up and um, all the results have been pulled by the sponsors and are being reviewed, Um, so they're all in very different stages. So patients that come in for the dying clinical trial on myotonic dystrophy, they will be interacting with you, you'll be like their first port of call when they show up to the building? Yeah, correct, yeah. Yeah, and then um, we take them to uh, the nurses or the doctors or to Richard, whatever is responsible for that day. So the patients will come in, they'll get their dose in, then they stay overnight for monitoring and also for different tests? Yeah, yeah. so two nights um, post-dose, that's when we do our safety checks, bloods, ECGs, vitals, make sure that their health is monitored, make sure that um, they're responding as they should or there's no concerns making sure that they feel comfortable enough and then once we're satisfied whether it be if any study could be two to anywhere between two and five days that they stay overnight um, the doctors will then discharge them and they would be sent home um, and then they'll have a series of follow-up visits maybe over several months in this case for the dying study years and what do you like about your job oh good question um, I have been in this job for this will be my seventh year, and I have met numerous amount of people, um, different personalities all over uh, New Zealand, actually, because we recruit outside of Auckland as well as within. So the coolest thing is in clinical trials, you cater to rare diseases. That's what we're known for, really. Um, and in New Zealand, a lot of families don't get access to medication because they're not funded or it's out of their ability to, to pay for those drugs. And so being included in a clinical trial means you are involved in shaping someone's life, whether it's small for them or small for us. It's a huge impact in, in their life and their future, um, especially if we're looking at patients who are you know as young as paediatric patients to 
their 20s, um, knowing what the end of life looks like and knowing that they may not have treatment. Um, otherwise, being in a clinical trial helps them in some way. So knowing that you're, you're part of that really is quite nice actually and fulfilling so that's probably the biggest thing for me. And on that it's a it's a big leap for a patient to be part of a clinical trial yeah. because this is by definition a drug that is not on the market is not being used by yeah. lots of different people yeah. so are there a lot of patients that come in that are quite nervous and anxious? Or? Yeah yeah I mean it is quite nerve-wracking to take part in a clinical trial whether it's a new drug or a drug that's similar to one that exists in the market it's quite daunting to take part in a clinical trial um, and part of us mitigating that is having in-depth conversations with our sub-investigators so Richard does a really good job in in having a conversation and making sure that their concerns have been addressed before they get on to that study and that's done by Richard and then by Miriam and then myself and, and then again by our sub-investigators our doctors that are on site at NZCR there's several conversations um, to make sure that all of their concerns are addressed, um, making sure that they understand where clinical trials come from, so the scientific review that's done, the ethical reviews that are done, what were the what we call preclinical findings, what investigations or results that were found uh, up until this stage. So we, we do put a lot of um, efforts into making sure that they feel comfortable at the end of the day in clinical trials. It's voluntary based. So we offer that this opportunity is there for them, but it's never forced. So um, making sure that they are if they're not comfortable, that they do not need to sign consent. Um, and that's the biggest focus for us as well, especially before they dose. Um, so the relationships and the processes and the staff that we have in place as well with our nurses and doctors and pharmacists um, and research assistants and research support team as a whole, um, we all play a part to making sure that, they, that their confidence is there as they, um, as they dose in throughout the trial as well. If it moves through the different stages, an estimated 15 New Zealanders with myotonic dystrophy are likely to join the trial. For this current trial, I ask Dr Richard Roxburgh when will we know if A, it's safe, and B, it's effective? At each stage, as we're increasing the dose, we need to look at the safety data. So in the long term, people will be taking this drug uh, you know, throughout their lives, maybe. Um, so we need to know whether it's safe over months, years. And so we, we might not know the full safety data uh, for years, but obviously if something is, is we'll know fairly early. And, and so far, everything's been okay, I'd have to say. As far as efficacy, this isn't an efficacy study, so we probably won't know until the next, uh, you know, if it comes through this and it's shown to be safe, then we go on to efficacy. But we are doing some things even now in looking at uh, th those muscle biopsy results, for example. We will be able to know as soon as August whether there's any change in the splicing of the genes that ab are abnormally spliced in this uh, condition. Thanks to Associate Professor Richard Roxburgh and Shruti Balachandran. Ko Krakenganaho te kaiho tu o te nei hōtaka i āwhina mai a Liz Garten rawa ko Ellen Rikers. I produced this episode with help from Liz and Ellen. Sound engineering was by Phil Benj and Tim Watkin is executive producer of podcasts and series at RNZ. Our website is at rnz.co.nz slash world. You can sign up to our monthly newsletter there. Tinakoi ifakarongomai. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Kia pai, to wiki.